What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, Friday pod, weekend pod. You ready? Yeah, I am ready. Good football this weekend. Uh, It's like high end. It's not a deep. It's not a deep, not a deep schedule, but some high end quality. Well, I think there are a couple just marquee college games, and I just saw. You want to hear a crazy stat? Okay. I got NFL Live and on in the background, and Harbaugh. Worked for Andy for like seven years in Philly. I'd forgot that it was even that long. He has been the Ravens head coach guy for 12 seasons. I mean, I know he's been there a while, but 12 years? Honestly, it feels like more to me. But it just, if, if his brother is King, just kind of bounce around guy. I know. John's been kind of the model of consistency there. Like for being two nut jobs, and Jim is way crazier in the sense that he like, Hypes up the craziness. I've always heard that John is every bit of the lunatic. <laughs> he just pulls off like wearing normal clothes, so you can't really tell. And he looks, I mean, Jim was an NFL quarterback. And if you've walked by Jim Harbaugh, he's a fucking massive human being. John's a little more normal size, like 6'1, 195, 200, or whatever, blends in. He also just does heard he's stare crazy. into space during like public speaking. Yeah. It comes off much more normal in situations like that. But I think, and I have I know people that obviously in Philly that worked with him, that said he was a lunatic. In a good football lunatic way. Was it you telling me the other day that some coach, Parcells, had the statement, like, to be in football, you got to be nuts? Or someone was saying that. Parcells is a famous line. No, I, I, I don't think. Be in the business of football. You got to have some screws loose. Well, you know what's great too is how, how long was he the special teams coach in Philly? Was he a special teams coach the whole time? Ninety nine oh six. All right, yeah. so that's seven years of like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you have as many hours in the day as the guy who coordinates the offense. You got to fill them too. 
Well, the one thing he started doing like three or four years in is they made him like the assistant DB coach. So he helped Jim Johnson out and he ran special teams. He was doing a lot. Uh, well, no, I'm not saying, okay, that's that's good to know. But what I'm saying is you've, you you know special teams coaches. Like those guys are not the guys that are like, well, I got all this extra time. I guess I'll head out early and hit them all. They find a way to spend as much time on special teams as offensive coaches spend on offense. Yes. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. They, they do it. They do it. I mean, I've, I used to help out Bobby April – just doing some special team shit. I mean, it's it's actually more time consuming than the other sides of the ball because you're like, where's this guy lined up on the punt cover? What the fuck's going? What What's number is that? Doing? Is that a sixteen yeah, or a fifteen? What is? Who's this? This guy. It's just. And it never feels that important, but obviously it is because if you've ever watched a football game and the game's just going along, going along, going along, then all of a sudden there's a punt or a kick return. You're like, oh my god, we're gonna lose. You know, well, especially when you know, <laughs> or like, or a blocked punt or a blocked field goal, it's devastating. Well, like you think when you look at, just go Google punt return averages. Go. What Google are they punt. like? Twelve yards? Not, not maybe. Even six? I bet they're like seven and a half yards. What's the average one in college? A little bigger? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know, but my guess is it's like seven yards. Yeah, you're right. It's not. It's not very big. But when it happens, the, the special teams coaches are the O-linemen of the coaching staff. Like, you're you're not supposed to notice them. They're supposed to do their job when everything's going smooth. And when you do notice them, it's a big deal. It's like, oh my God, that guy's held seven times today and got all these penalties, right? Or, oh my God, this guy can't block a soul. The moment, what's going on with our punter? Because even the head coach usually, like, has no clue how to fix the punter. Or why? what's going on with their kicker? Why can't this guy cover the... the uh, you know, the S, the, I guess it's like the L4, you know, or whatever. They they got, they basically, on the two sides of the kickers on kickoff, it's L and R, and then just you count one to five, you know, starting by the kicker. Or it's either starting by the sideline. That See, shit like that always confuses me. Like, is that the L4 or is that the L1? But, again, the moment that guy misses a tackle and Cordero Patterson's running scot-free down the sideline, you, you, every fan is leaping out of their couch like, no! Right, the, the 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 craziest special team play I think of my lifetime is easily the kick the kick six at Alabama, yeah. and the more you always like when you took a step back and talked to Savage and heard Saban describe it, you're at such a disadvantage because the guys you have on the field are all linemen. Like they they can't cut Chris Davis or whatever that guy's name was returning it. How is your like starting right guard supposed to tackle? He that was guy a niner space? for a minute. Remember? Yeah, I think a late draft pick. And at the end of the day, he's is that guy still a legend? You think when he walks around uh, campus? Yes. Because <laughs> sometimes it'll just come on the replay of that, and you're like, "That is still pretty nuts to this day that that happened." Given that game too, right? Right. It's, that game just means the equivalent for like us on the West Coast of like a World Series game, you know, <laughs> or a, or like an NFC Championship. To them, that game is the mecca. You could argue for people in that state, that game is more important than the SEC championship. That game's at, and at least close to an equal of a national champ. Like, that game is impactful. Yep. This podcast is brought to you by Ease and Ease Wellness. Ease.com and EaseWellness.com. That's E-A-Z-E. The promo code is HAM. You told me you were reading an article, and I, I saw people tweeting it out about Calvin Johnson. He'd smoke a joint after every game or take a little uh, marijuana. Look like cannabis after, every, cannabis after every game. 
Yeah, you know, it's cannabis works. Uh, has been a, uh, a somewhat of a new user. I used a little in my youth, and then took a long, uh, a long time off, and now I'm back going because my friends and my partners at Ease.com promo code Ham Vapes Pre Rolls, uh, you name it, drops. They have it all. And then our friends at Ease Wellness, they have this thing on lock called CBD, kind of taking the nation by storm. Drop shipment delivered to your house. EaseWellness.com, guys. You just use the promo code Ham. You get. $20 off any purchase over $50 and Ease Wellness delivers it to your door. Ease.com delivers it like Uber Eats. A car will just pull up and hand you a little baggie. It's mm. it's easy and they're off. Can't beat it. Promo code HAM, promo code HAM as we tell you and uh, not just you use it but uh, share it with your friends. Share it with your friends. Yep, share it with your friends. All right, podcast also brought to you by mybookie.ag. The promo code there is HAM1. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. The fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Well, guy, we got a loaded, and we'll talk about some games. Uh, we got Harbaugh at Wisconsin, three and a half points. When's the last time a good Harbaugh team, good might be strong, but I mean, his team's pretty solid, was a, a, an underdog. You know, it's weird seeing a line like, God, Harbaugh's an underdog. I get it against Urban Meyer, but I thought, Maybe a pick them or something. That number jumps out. Three and a half. I, I, I love. And maybe this is holding on to nostalgia. <laughs> you don't bet against Jim Harbaugh in situations like this. He lives for these moments. Love Michigan plus three and a half. And the other game, I mean, Wazoo, UCLA tomorrow. Uh, can't wait for Mike Leach to throw up about 90. Uh, they're, they're giving 18 and a half to UCLA. I, I'd probably bet them at 40. But mybookie.ag. What's the Utah line right now for Friday night? I saw it's three and a half. It's going down, guys. It's getting a little fishy. I like Utah. (laughs) A little fishy. I do, too. Uh, Again, promo code HAM1. Obviously, college football, NFL. Whenever you want, like, oh, it's Monday night, Thursday night. What did I say? Jacksonville. Gave it away on Instagram. Loved the Jags. Love home dogs. Uh, Especially later in the season on those short weeks. Always take a home dog guy on a Thursday night game. Uh, Monday night football, we got, uh, aren't you fired up, Bears, Redskins? That sa- game sounds pretty shitty, oh. but it's, it's not that shitty when you bet on it. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. <laughs> well said. All right, a um, lot to get to. You know what? We're doing this Friday morning. Let's start with Thursday night football, John. Gardner Minshew had one of those games. I think there are a lot of games we talk about this with quarterbacks where the numbers look better than the performance. I thought he looked better than the final numbers. I think he was under 300 yards. He was two touchdowns. Um, I think maybe, I don't have it in front of him, maybe he was like 22 or 30 passing or something like that. Yeah. But I thought watching him, he looked better than that. Should have been three touchdowns. D.D. Westbrook dropped the ball that was right in his hands on a beautiful pass um, near the goal line. His second Gardner touchdown. throws a beautiful ball. Oh, his second touchdown was gorgeous. The first one was a wide open receiver. But, you know, I think the other element there was that was a game. You got the Jalen Ramsey stuff's going on. It's a short week for him to prep for the Titans who play defense. They're 0-2. And they had to win the game because they were 0-2. I I, I thought it was awesome. And, again, everyone complains about Thursday Night Football on Twitter, and then the numbers come out and 20 million people watch, right? Everyone's like, oh, this NBA game's so awesome on a Friday night, and 700,000 people are watching. So it's like Twitter is so negative with these Thursday Night games. I enjoyed it. Now, part of it is I like watching Minshew and even Mariota. A lot of people were just like, could you ask the question, who would you rather have for the rest of the season, Gardner Minshew or Marcus Mariota? I think it's I'd rather take my chances with Gardner Minshew. 
And that doesn't mean that he's going to be better than Mariota, because I think people forget Mariota did go on the road a couple years ago and beat the fucking Kansas City Chiefs. Like, that happened. Everyone's acting like, Marcus Mariota, he's like Connor Cook. No, I mean, he's not a great quarterback. I, I think one thing we've realized, he's not, you're not giving him 80, 90, 100 million dollars, but he's going to start again. And more than likely, we were talking before the podcast, Sean McVay, I, I saw a great tweet. Get ready for the next five years of Marcus Mariota. 2019, the Titans let him hit free agency. 2020, Andy Reid signs as a backup. 2021, Mahomes goes down. Mariota starts seven games for Andy Reid, resurrects his career. 2023 or 22, the Jaguars give Mariota huge cash, and he goes 7-9, 7-9, So, I mean, I think we know how it's going to play out, but Mariota's career is not over. I just think we realize... And we were on, we had a radio show, and we used to talk to so many people that thought this guy was going to be, who would you say they was kind of like a Steve Youngish type player, like going to be an elite Hall of Famer, and you definitely, and even me, I was like, I, I don't know. I, I thought the, the praise and the hype was just so strong, and he clearly hasn't lived up to it, and he just kind of looks like a meh guy, but he's better than meh, but he's not, he's not a max quarterback guy, and Minshew, you see right away, and I, I follow a lot of people somehow from Cleveland, and a lot of them are saying, like, God, this is how we thought Baker was going to look. Like, the juice, the fire, just the the explosive plays. And he doesn't look like that. And also, how about my guy who can, you know, I've been getting a lot of DMs, like, who are the OCs that are going to be in this cycle, mm-hmm. right? Because we've had these cycles. And, and I keep telling everyone, let's pump the brakes on Kellen Moore, not because the hype's not going to be there. I could just see him being in Dallas for a couple years. Like, he's... He, he's not, this is not a passion project for him. Like, this is his life. You know, this is not just like, he just became a coach and it worked out. Like, he's, he's going to think big picture. Like, he's not just jumping to a job, I don't feel like. Right, he'll be patient, and, you're saying. He'll be patient. Yeah, and he's not, I'm not saying he's not going to be a head coach in the next three or four years, but I could see him, maybe his agent, be like, hey, take an interview. So Jerry gives you three or four million, and you can do this for a couple of years. He's in a good spot to just have the pick of the litter. Where... John Filippo, if the Jaguars, I checked their schedule last night, like mid-game, they play Denver, they play the Jets, they play the Breezeless and the Camless Saints and Panthers. Like, they could rattle off some wins. And all of a sudden, you're like, could the Jags go 9-7, and 10-6 and, and be in the playoff mix? How would John Filippo not throw his hat back in the ring if he wins games with Gardner Minshew? Totally. He would. I, so He would. Uh, I'm a little biased Root there. but guys. Yeah, just pretty clear, like... The other thing that kind of bothers me is like, how did the entire league miss on this guy? Well, he's just short. He comes from the school. Like, usually guys like that fail. You know, I don't, I don't think it's really that crazy. Yeah, well, it's like... Well, he's a one-year starter. One-year starter who really didn't have a ton of opportunity in college. Um, now, he was... I, I was trying to guess, when Joe Buck said Thursday Night Football, Gardner Minshew finished fifth in the Heisman voting last year, how many... What percentage of the audience already knew that information? Well, did he go to New York? No, no, no. So there was a cutoff. There was like three guys or whatever. Yeah, my, was it three at the most? It was Kyler, Tua, and one other guy, and like not Lamar. Was but it one of the like running that. backs? It was like a UCF guy. Or, yeah, was it ETN? Yeah, it was, or, yeah, it was someone. It, it Might was have been two famous. guys. Now that I think, I don't know. But yeah, he didn't go. But I, my guess was like. At most, ten percent of the audience knew that information. At most, winning w- winning a season in Washington State history, right? Correct, eleven wins. Um, how many how many wins did Le- did Leaf have when they went to the Rose Bowl? 
I it guess must they have been didn't 10. win the Rose Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Um, Washington State won their bowl game. Um, but look, here's the other thing, John. Sixth round picks when you become Tom Brady, it's crazy. But there's not that like how many quarterbacks got chosen ahead of him last year? Yeah, probably. A handful. I mean, like, they had no interest in this guy being their starting quarterback. It's just... Isn't it pretty impressive when a six-round pick wins the backup job? Yeah, that I don't think, I don't think that. I don't think lot. that happens that often, no. does it? No. I Now, I was not surprised by it, and I said it. I just... The guy just seems unflappable, and I think part of what he did last year in Washington State's offense, he was so patient. When I saw him, I felt pretty good that he's going to be solid in the preseason when I saw him taking sacks that were just a function of him just standing there and standing there and standing there like he he took sacks because he wasn't scared to get hit and he took the biggest hit of the preseason he got annihilated on what was that week three? Oh my god his helmet was like a went flying at like 30 miles an hour so um i i think a lot of what he's done is real now i think the other interesting dynamic is what about nick Foles? like nick Foles is now in the situation kind of i mean it was different nick Foles won a super bowl but now he's in the Carson Wentz situation. And I bet he handles it better than Carson did. Although, from the outside, it looked like everything was fine. But I just, I, I think in the end, it probably works he's to the, Minshew's. He's the guy, he's the ideal person to be in that situation. And I think that works to Minshew's benefit, too. And like yeah. you said before the pod, like Minshew, as big of a story as he is, like Jalen Ramsey's a big, like there's just a lot going on with this team. Yeah. I mean, the guy Calais Campbell last night looked like Reggie White. <laughs> I mean, he, he absolutely just changed the game. Like, to me, he was the true star of that game. He had three sacks and seven tackles. He fucking changed the complexity of the entire game. Because Gardner, they, did, they didn't score 50 points. They didn't score, what was it, 20 to 7? He scored through two touchdowns. To me, though, it was early. just two. I saw he made no, like two or three throws. I was like, okay. Big time. And they, they couldn't run the ball. Tennessee is a good defense. It was raining and wet. It was impressive. Uh, I also think what separates guys that are like him, that don't have the physical attributes. He actually throws the ball pretty damn well, right? He's got a live arm, and he's really accurate. Is one thing that's clear is going to separate him, and Kellen Moore was on like a lower level because he wasn't as close to as talented as Minshew as a thrower. Football's this guy's life, right? This guy, he's the story's now well known. If he couldn't, if Mike Leach wouldn't come around, he was going to save him to to become a coach. That's what he wants. Like, this is his life's work. The story that he told, the part of my take about breaking his hand so he could get a medical redshirt. Like, football means everything to him. That's where you go, this guy's got a chance to last. This is what I, I know the progressive Twitter wants. We need people with balanced lives. Well, that's not really what football wants. They want guys like Gardner Minshew. Ideally, like the best version of Gardner Minshew is Brady. Football means everything to him, and he's, a, and he's an elite talent, right? That's the, the ideal kind of what you want. But Minshew... We, we talked about it earlier this week. Like, is he going to be in the league for 10 years? And you just watched last night. He's at minimum going to be in the league for like five or six now, right? Because he's going to be on the Jaguars for a while, either starting or back up or whatever. Yeah, I and don't, then just To me, how is he going in the league for 10 years? I mean, it's just the more football you watch, the more football I watch, the more it becomes apparent. Like, the most. Well, it's never been easier to play quarterback. Right? That and the most valuable skill is just process time. Clearly, he's fine with that. What I wonder, and we'll never know this, like in basketball, I am certain that the elite guys now could play 30 years ago. Now, they'd have to adapt or whatever, but like James Harden, Steph, like they'd be fine. Like they, they might not 
average as many points because they would be getting clothesline, but they'd figure it out. Could Gardner Minshew, if you put him in like 1988, what would be the harder part? Now you'd go, well, the offenses are dramatically different, so they're not spread it out offenses. Or is the harder part like you're just getting destroyed, and that's part of why we always had bigger bodies. Like a guy like Gardner Minshew that kind of, it feels like, looks like me or you, and that's one of the things that he has going for him right now that I think just galvanizes the just the average fan are like god that, that guy just looks like one of my friends like you don't ever see yeah Peyton but not Manning. just one of your friends your friend who parties the most yeah but it's not yeah but it's to me yeah it's cool look but I'm just saying when you see a guy that's six foot 200 pounds you just go I know a lot of people like that when you see Peyton Manning how many people do you know in your life that are six five two forty? you know they're just like it's right. just those guys are outliers Rivers Eli Flacco there are a lot of quarterbacks, I'd say, in 2019 that just look a little more like Jimmy Garoppolo. He's really good looking, but he doesn't really look that much different than just a lot of humans, just physically, right? There are a lot of quarterbacks nowadays that just look, even Deshaun Watson, they just kind of, a lot of smaller quarterbacks. I would imagine if you did a deep dive analytically, has to be the group of the smallest starting quarterbacks in league history. The most guys like 6'2 and under, don't you think? Yeah. I, I think the challenge going back decades in the NFL, would going back years would in the be NFL, the would, offense. would be the offense. Yeah. But I, I don't know Gardner if that would be a challenge would, I, for him, because like I said, I think he's pretty smart, but that would be just the general challenge for guys. Because what's the hard part? They say the biggest difference between the NFL and the pros, right, is throwing guys open. And that's like a problem for Mariota right now. They, you know, they, I love say, they say, just, you know, the knock on Mariota right now. And this is always the question mark from the NFL people when you come from what Mariota came from. Well, every guy he's throwing to is wide fucking open. In the NFL, especially on his team, he doesn't have elite wide receivers. So you have to throw guys open. It's really what makes the Hall of Famers the Hall of Famers, right? When you think Peyton Manning, when you think even Rodgers in his prime or, Elway, these Montana, Brady, their their precision when they have to is just is elite of the elite. It doesn't get any better because they can their practice, their understanding of the offense, and then their physical ability is just special. And Rivers and Luck and all these guys, you just go well. Mariota refuses to throw the ball when the guy's covered, and you know I think NFL coordinators and GMs and head coaches would tell you when a guy's covered, sometimes he's open. Right, the back shoulder throws the, and Mariota just can't pull the trigger, and you just wonder, for certain guys, does that get ingrained in you? You know, when you're in college, it's hard to ever break that, and then you just kind of develop bad habits or don't not able to break out of the habits. You know, it's one of those things they say that he doesn't see it, and you just you just wonder. You know, I I always think that's the hard part about the transition of. Will he ever see it? And some guys like Gardner, it's pretty clear it just kind of comes naturally to him. But football is the guy's life. Like, is football Mariota's end-all, be-all? You know, I, I don't know, but I think the difference between them is, like, partly what Minshew sees. First of all, it's seeing it and then being able to have your arm do what your eyes are seeing. So there's two different big things going on there. One is accuracy, two is seeing it. And... You know, like I, there was one ball late. Um, actually, he threw kid two. From, he threw the two kid in from a row. LSU looks fucking good with him, TJ Sharks. Yeah, he does look good. Mariota threw two in a row at uh, AJ Bouye. What's this? Is that how you say his name? Yeah, yeah. 
And the first one was like, it was covered, but he saw there's a spot to throw it, but he missed the spot and it got broken up. So I don't, I, I think it's, I think it's an ability thing that we're seeing here in the difference. And there might be, like, on the balance, Mario probably is more talented than Minshew, right? Do you know, on a side note, you like, oh, yeah, everyone just kind of naturally said, Jalen Rams is the best corner, Jalen Rams is the next corner. And then you watch him play, you're like, corners, one, they just don't look like him. He fucking looks huge. And he moves, like, Richard Sherman has always been big, but I would never call him, like, a super fluid guy. Like, Jalen is Richard size. But he moves like fucking Matt Breda. Jagger. Like it's God. Moves like Jagger, frankly. <laughs> yeah, he does have moves like Jagger. How sweet is that guy? Yeah, he's all, I wouldn't trade him, honestly, if I were that. <laughs> Why would? Well, I, I don't think they will. What's the point, think, guy? Yeah, I'm with you. What's the point? Because how, if you're them, do you not go, why couldn't we make the playoffs? Especially if you're willing to pay him, which Shad Khan says he is. Who has the better stash, Shad or uh, Shod. Gardner? Shad. I saw Shad on the pregame show, like pre-pregame show. He's like, well, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. I did think halftime Does is... Does Shad have a lot more money than Mark Davis? Like, he just no problem for him he to pay He owns guys? more than one team. I know that. <laughs> I was thinking, like, is Vrabel going to go Major League Baseball, shave his mustache at halftime? But he didn't do it. Do you think Vrabel's pretty angry today? Yes. He looked pretty miserable. Yeah, in the, in the rain. Ugh. Just getting your ass kicked. Your quarterback can't move the ball. Leonard Fournette was getting stuffed. You're like, God, we're stuffing them. It's one thing to me always to lose when you play shitty like 30-7. to 7. It's another thing when the majority of the game it was like 14 nothing, but it felt like the game was kind of close. If you could just score one touchdown, mm-hmm. you'd be right in it, mm-hmm. and they just couldn't. They, I mean, it felt like, can they get the ball past the 50-yard line? Uh, all right, John, on to the 49ers who play the Steelers this week. We've talked about this, and it feels like Given the Steelers' situation with Roethlisberger, 3-0 and is sitting on a platter for the 49ers to go take. Does this feel like a game that we didn't necessarily put pressure on it for them? And then once they're 2-0, and you're like, ah, oh, okay, now you got some house money, you're on the road. But it just feels like a golden opportunity that if you don't take advantage of it, you might regret later in the season. Well, to me, I, I just ask the question, who's got more pressure on them, Kyle Shanahan or Jimmy Garoppolo? And I think you kind of noticed through the first two weeks, like this is kind of Kyle's show, right? I mean, his just ability to run these crazy plays when no one knows what's coming and get these defenses off balance and just texting around people in the league, just watching the Steelers. Like this, I talked to a buddy yesterday in the league, and when you think of the Steelers over the Tomlin, like the, the latter years of Cower in the 2000s, and then that Tomlin kind of run the first three or four years, you think defense, right? Palomalu, Harrison, uh, Woodley, uh, Joey Porter at the end of his career, Ike Taylor, Ryan Clark. like th- th- Them and Baltimore were basically the uh, the opening act for the Niners-Steelers. Like, it was a war zone. You're just like, I'm kind of uncomfortable watching these games. Like in 07, 08, 09, 10. Then it flipped. And I, I think the, the good comparison for them was like the OKC Thunder. They just became this lights-out offensive team. Remember, like, when Antonio took off? But it wasn't just – people forget. Like, when they had Anto- – they still had the guys like Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders, then Le'Veon came. Like, they had dude dudes. And Rashad Mendenhall, people forget it. When I first got in the league, that guy was fucking sweet. Yeah. I mean, the, then Roethlisberger, they started just nailing all these offensive picks. 
and it was just like the sweetest offensive guys in the league. They're like, oh, we don't need Mike Wallace. I'll see Emmanuel Sanders. I was like, damn, they're just letting guys go left and right. And they're just, and then they'd be like, AB, and they'd be like, oh, we got Juju Smith. <laughs> he was kicking ass. They're not really like that right now, guy. Juju's their number one guy. And I'm a Juju homer, but I don't know if Juju's quite a number one. You know, and they're, they're depending on like Deontay Thompson and uh, James Washington. I think this is kind of a Kyle game still because Jimmy's still kind of figuring out who he is. I, I lose touch of this, and I think everyone does when people are like, do we know enough about Jimmy? He started 12 fucking games in his career. You know, 12. Think how many games, for example, like Dak and Jared Goff have started. Dak started every game for three, three years and two games. So you do the math. I mean, 16 times three is 48. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're just talking a lot. You're just dramatically more games. So I, I, for me, pressure on Jimmy. There is any time you have a quarterback, there's pressure on him. But this is kind of there is. I'll tell you this guy. I feel a little buzz in the air. Bzzz, just people talk. I'm getting texts about the Niners. See some people at the gym. They're like, "Oh, what do you think?" You know, just people are kind of. They're not all in oh! yet or anything. They're, they're just kind of feeling it. You go three and zero, guy. You go three and zero. Yeah. Well, I mean, you start doing the math then on, or are you going to be a nine-win team? Well, if you're three and zero, that means you're under five hundred the rest of the year. You're, you're nine wins. Yeah, you can go six and seven and go nine and seven. That means if you're nine and seven, you're in the playoff mix early December, right? And you would say, well, fuck, they're already if they're three and zero, why couldn't they go seven and six and be ten and six, right? But here's the yeah. Well, by the way, too, have you noticed? Like, remember the whole the, like the the, the, the curveball on this though is. They got four games with two pretty good teams in the Rams and the and the Seattle. True, but well, that wouldn't you say that's sweet? Well, that's because part of the you deal. win this game, it makes those games even ten times more important. Um, so two things: one to answer your question. So I go, Kyle. I'm no with you, Kyle. Because and here's why I'm with you: because and somebody hit us up on Instagram. Brian Maxwell DM'd DM'd us on Instagram and said, "Hey, guy, you keep saying, you know, you keep watching Jimmy going. How many throws is he making above replacement?" level throws I love this is I'm going full all in on this throws above replacement and he's like well how many guys do it's a fair point right he's like other than uh Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes how many guys are just making a ton of throws above replacement like over time it's just making the right throws the right reads that's what separates you that's Montana that's Brady and I agree with that to a point but if you're doing that you know over the course of five six seven years okay now we're Alex Smith, like, okay, you can you can win with that. That's fine. But, uh, you know, I think our expectations, at least initially, are a little bit higher for Jimmy Garoppolo. So if that's what he is, that's what he is. That's fine. But I go back to it's not just they didn't make any throws above replacement. It's that he had the false start and the interception. We can't forget that that happened. And, again, I like him. I believe in him. I think he's going to be good. But that's just a follow-up. Thank you, Brian, for the DM. Now, the reason I think it's Kyle in this game is because of everything you said offensively for the Steelers. Like, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo has to take a bunch. He doesn't have to make throws above replacement this week for the 49ers to win the football game. He doesn't. I don't think he's going to have to. He's well, got to make the, the right other- plays, not make any mistakes. That's going to be enough to win. Because, by the way, have you noticed last year? You remember the other story last year with the Steelers, John? It wasn't just A.B. It was Le'Veon Bell can stay home because we got James Conner. Well, James Conner's running for two and a half yards per carry right now. Yeah, and he's banged up. He's banged up, and they don't have a pass game. So no, I, don't make mistakes he, this week. Well, he, and here's also why it's on Kyle. They're on their fourth string offensive tackle, who's starting at left tackle. 
So, like, Jimmy can't really control that guy blocking or not. Right. But Kyle can manipulate that situation. Bring in an extra tackle to block with him. Move Kittle over there a lot. I watched the Tomlin press conference yesterday from, like, a couple days ago. And it's just... <laughs> there aren't many like him. He's pretty special. But he did go through the Niners and what they bring to the table. And you can tell, like, this week, and we've talked about this earlier in the week, when... Jason Garrett and Kellen Moore and fucking Rod Marinelli, whoever the hell's on that coaching staff, is addressing the team. They're trying to keep everyone motivated. Like, guys, we got to take these guys seriously, you know? And everyone's like, oh, my God. Where it's just like, I do think Mike Tomlin, can, it's pretty easy for him. Like, these guys got good players. They're 2-0. and We fuck around. We'll get beat. Right? It's like, they are the better team than us right now. But- we got to win. Well, you know? well, they're zero two. They got every reason. They need this game. Well, that's, that, that's what's scary to me. Like, when's the last time... The Niners have been such a big favorite so early in the season against a team that you say on paper is not shitty. You know, are they, depending on how good Mason Rudolph is, they're probably still a 6-7 win team. You know, that's with their backup quarter. Hell, I mean, they're probably, to me, right around 500. Uh, assuming if Ben had played, worst case. Like, they, they were not going to, no chance they go. If Ben stays healthy all year, they're not they're not winning five games. Like, that's, that's like shit the Raiders do, not the Steelers. With Mason, though, I don't know. And you can't. Your home opener, you're a touchdown favorite pretty much. I think it's maybe six and a half. They're coming in with the backup quarterback making his first ever start at home when you've kind of been rolling. you got to win this game. But they're you desperate. You just do. To your they're point. They're desperate. They... But that's that's where I wouldn't necessarily bet on the Niners like cover. But a good team wins this game. A playoff team wins this game. A playoff team takes advantage kicks Mason Rudolph's ass. Now, a playoff team, because you're with this backup tackle, he might get his ass kicked too. But you find a way to win. Whether that's rushing the shit out of the ball uh, I know that was the other thing Tomlin said. He's like, listen, we've been Cincinnati's not an easy place to play. I know. Like, we've been playing there for 12 years since I've been the coach. And he's like, to watch them go in there and just kick the shit out of them? That's the other thing in the NFL. Like, Cincinnati is not the Dolphins. They're not tanking. They have these guys named Geno Atkins, Dunlap. Like, they got some decent players on defense. And the Niners ran the ball down their throat. And a lot of that is the scheme and just Kyle's ability to call plays and keep you off balance. It's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a little more difficult. But you go, the Steelers' defense statistically hasn't been very good. But you look at their players, T.J. Watt, better than J.J. Watt right now. Uh, Tuit, who just dominated Seattle. They drafted Devin Bush, 10th overall, traded up to get him. He's a stud. Who they just trade for? Minka Fitzpatrick. I, I just named four guys that are four players that are starting on any team in the league. So they do four of their 11 starters on defense can make just all of a sudden a pick six or a fumble six. Like they can just do big time shit. And that's where I think it's easy for Kyle to go like, this isn't your typical 0-2 team. Now it's just regardless when you play the Steelers, their record is irrelevant, right? It doesn't even come up. <laughs> yeah. They do have a bunch of guys that if you would said their name when the year they were drafted, like they got Tyson Alualu. They got Mark Barron. They got Bud Dupree. They got Joe Hayden. Damn. Well, Joe, Joe Hayden's a good example of he's like a Josh Norman type where he can't run, but he, he different than Josh who doesn't try. Joe Hayden tries. He can't run, guy. I mean, he's like a four six five guy. That's I'm not the biggest Marquise Goodwin fan, but you should take some deep shots with Marquise Goodwin against Joe Hayden. Well, if you're not going like to do that, that, that now, what, what are you – well, I think Kyle, uh, if, if, they, if they didn't, he might say, well, we're just scared to have Jimmy seven-step drops with our left tackle can't block. Well, I'd be like, leave Kittle and then help him out. Trent Taylor went to IR, John. 
Friday? Just now? I had no... If you put a gun to my head and said, what team's Tyson Alu-Walu on, I would have said out of the league. He's on the Steelers. That's pretty nuts. Hmm. But just because you heard I said just... Because you said you were making the point, like, they're going to have to put somebody on IR, the Niners, to make room for tackle Sam Young. So Trent Taylor on IR. They signed Sam Young? Uh Uh-huh. That's not good for Trent Taylor. No. The Trent Taylor hype might need to pump the brakes. He's in the right place, just... I mean, do you you like the Niners this week? I do. I mean, again, I like I like Jimmy. He just cannot make mistakes. Just don't doesn't have to make. The, if he doesn't throw any critical picks and doesn't also just makes all the the replacement level throws, maybe that's probably not being totally fair to him. He's a little above, but I just use it to make a point. Like, then they're fine. They win and things are good. Well, well think how big this game is. You win this game. You get a buy the hype going into that Monday night football game because then the Niners you're like, well, you're playing the Browns who could potentially be real, and you're playing to go four and zero. Because you, if you go four and zero, do you agree then it's a major letdown if you miss the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. The problem the problem is is that I we just it's not like their four first four weeks they've played anybody that I I don't know what the Tampa uh, we'll get to them Cincy okay. No, I know, but, I, but but just just do the math. Yeah, no, I know. I know. That, I'm just saying, like you got 12 the, games left. It would be purely an eight. exercise. It would be purely an exercise in math. I'd still be watching it, going, "Are they supposed to be a playoff team?" I, I don't know that I'd be sure, even if they're four and zero. You know what I'm saying? I I don't disagree with you, yeah. but that doesn't change the fact that they would have to start losing a lot, and it'd be pretty devastating. It would be, but I just they, they would still play Seattle twice, the Rams twice, the Packers, the Ravens, the Saints, the Falcons. I mean, it's like the the Panthers. Say what you want. Oh yeah, because they play the NFC South and the AFC North. They got to play. Where is the Lamar Jackson game? It's there, and then they go, that's after they play the Packers, and then they go to New Orleans the next week, and then they come back to play the Falcons and the Rams, and then go to Seattle. So they what? need to bank all these wins now. What week is the Saints game? 14. What, what? Oh, so Drew Brees, in theory, if he's not, if he comes back, would be back yeah, for that game. Let me just read you week 12, Green Bay. Week 13 at Baltimore. Week 14 at New Orleans. Week 15, Atlanta here. Week 16, the Rams here. Week 17 at Seattle. So you'd say their ending schedule is pretty legit. Well, they might not be favored in any of those games. Well, I mean, if they're a win, if they're like an eight and three team or something, okay, yeah, then they'll be favored at home against Green Bay, maybe. Well, I mean, Green Bay might be eight and three too. Well, so which, <laughs> right now, which of those games are they favored in? On the road you at Baltimore, favor- you, if you're a winning team, you get favored at home. You're you're not an underdog. Okay, so against Green Bay, against Atlanta, and again, okay, against Atlanta, but not against the Rams. Yeah, I just don't know if Atlanta's good or not. We're going mean, to find out. They'll, play the, they'll play the Rams in, in, a, in three weeks, so we'll find out. But So they, they play Seattle basically twice the last two months of the season? When's the first Seattle game? November 11th and then December 29th. So it's I, li- I like that. But yeah, when, when's, the, when's the second Rams game in December? Second to last game. So we get Seattle and L.A. two of the last two, the last two games? Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty sweet. Those games could be really fucking important. Their last that's six that's games what, are off the charts. Could be all playoff games. That's what that's what I said. That's what we said from the beginning. All the chips are on the table for Kyle. Time to and he's get off to a good start. It's just time to keep the pedal down. Because all I know is McVay makes the playoffs. Andy makes the playoffs. Peyton makes the playoffs. Pete Carroll. You want Nagy makes the playoffs. You want to be a good coach. Make the playoffs. Well, they, they, everyone's playing these schedules, guy. I'm with you, but hey, 
You want to you want to beat Aaron Rodgers. You want to beat the Lamar Jackson. You want to beat Drew Brees. You want to beat Matty Ice. You want to beat Goff. You want to beat you, uh, Russell Wilson. Throws above replacement because they're all making throws above replacement. Well, th- that's what I always go back to. You can only scheme so much that at the end of the day, most games in these fourth quarters, you can give me all Brady all you want. He's a dump down. He just dumps down. He just dumps down. I've watched Brady for 20 fucking years in fourth quarters of tie games. Absolutely put knives through guys' throats. I've watched Rodgers do it forever. You watch Peyton Manning. I'm talking a tie game fourth quarter on the road. So, yeah, it's just dumped down. Well, can Jimmy in the fourth quarter? And we don't know. And, and you know what? More than likely he'll do it, and then he'll have, he won't do it. Like, it's, it's a learning you're process. Right. No, you're right. You know, because I bet Brady, if you went back and broke down the game, he had a couple games where maybe he threw a pick, you know, when he was young in a tight spot. But I know this. For the last 10 years when he's become legendary status, you never, ever, ever feel he's not going to get it done. And 90% of the time, he gets it done. I'm talking in the third and seven in the fourth quarter with five minutes left and you're at the 50-yard line. Are you going to punt? Or are you going to nail Gronkowski over the middle where there's a guy draped all over him? Can Is Jimmy going to nail? And it's harder. Like, well, who's on the field? Uh, Debo and Kittle and who else? <laughs> guy, 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 they hate Pettis. They do not like Dante Pettis right now. They don't. So that, that's, that's somewhat of a problem just because of what they... It'd be one thing if Dante Pettis had been a six-round pick and it'd kind of like... You know, they think this guy's going to be... They use that pick in the second round. That, to me, is kind of devastating. That that missed pick. Like, to me, that has bigger consequences if he's just a bust and they hate him than Solomon Thomas because they're so equipped defensive line-wise. Like, they, they would die for just Dante Pettis to be solid, right? Just to be functional, and he's not. And clearly, Marquise Goodwin is not the most trustable player in a big spot. So, yeah, you just start targeting yourself. Like, uh, but I would say this. I have so much respect for Seattle, and I would – the Niners, clearly, if you had to rank them, have to be the third because those other two teams have just earned the respect, the resume, especially Seattle. Like, you couldn't – you can't right now with a straight face rank the Niners above either one of those two teams. But when you dive in, both those two teams, they're not like Dallas or New England or Kansas City. Like, they do have legit flaws, Look at Seattle. Like he is throwing over and over to DK Metcalf. Like they are depending heavily yeah. on DK Metcalf, right? And you know who's they got two legit players on defense, and then they got all these random safeties and corners that are getting smoked. So they are the Rams are a good example. Like Todd Gurley is no longer Todd Gurley. Like these are facts. Now they've earned the right to be like, well, they'll figure it out, right? And they they have. Like I trust McVay. I clearly trust Pete. Maybe we'll get to the point where Kyle takes him down this year for the first time and wins the division. You go, well, then Kyle moving forward. I trust Kyle, right? But you got to do it. Like, are, right now, do you feel confident that the Niners are going to be able to, like, outlast those two squads? No, because I, those, even if talent's equal, you still just give, like you said, those two quarterbacks and those two coaches. Who would, edge. right now, do you feel more confident that's going to win the division? Seattle or L.A.? Uh... Probably I feel LA. like Seattle. LA. See, I kind of lean Seattle in the fact that they match up pretty good against LA because they're kind of physical. Remember last year they had two barn burners. And again, I I like LA. I've come around. Maybe they're not as bad as I thought they would be. Not that I thought they were going to be bad, but I thought they'd be eight and eight. Now I'm starting to think, uh, I don't know if they're going to be eight and eight because they were able to win games without Todd Gurley. But we have to acknowledge 
Todd Gurley not being Todd Gurley is a big issue against sweet teams because he was a game changer for right. them. And McVay can say whatever he wants. Like, Sean, you give it to him seven times a game. Like, you, you, you put him on ice. Like, you're acknowledging that he's not the same guy. Because I used to watch you when you guys were humming and clearly, like, are, is this the best team in the league? You were go- throwing him or handing him off the ball, I felt like, every other play. And it was like, fuck, this Todd Gurley guy. Jesus Christ, this guy's unstoppable. And it's just, that's not the case anymore. Like, oh, there's Malcolm Brown. Yeah. But this is why, I don't blame you know, him. look, but McVay gets talked about like a genius because part of his deal is he can work around. Well, that's why I'm saying no excuses for Kyle because McVay doesn't make any excuses about Todd Gurley. Yeah. He keeps lying to everyone, telling everyone he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I respect right. that. That's right. Uh, I, I, there's no coach probably in sports history that I came around on faster. Not that I was even out on McVay, but you just bet a this 31-year-old guy. And then he, after the first year, you're like, oh, this is you know, flash in the pan to like, is this, this guy's an all-time great. I don't see how at this point you could argue any other case that this guy's just on this trajectory to be in like a Pat Riley or something, right? Right. Well, you know, a guy who was on that pace, I mean, still viewed as one of the best, Mike Tomlin. And now he's in a situation where you, like you said, are they going to win five games this year, the Steelers? Is Mike Tomlin going to be on the market this offseason? Is he going to be coach? I mean, if he's on the market, it won't be for long, but is he going to be on the market? Because you asked me that before the show, and you know what I thought of immediately? John Harbaugh and Sean Payton, who both at different points and recently look like they were done in their current places, Baltimore and, and New Orleans, and then got extended. Um, and I wonder, especially, especially Harbaugh. Yes, especially Harbaugh. But Sean Payton was like, are they going to trade him to the 49ers? Yeah. Now, who knows how real that was, but uh, I would still, given all the stuff going on. I'd, I'd, forgot, I'd forgotten about that story. <laughs> I think I'd still be surprised if. Um, Do the Niners get credit for having their hat in the ring for like Odell Beckham and Sean Payton, even though clearly they never get close to getting in the trades? No. <laughs> no, I agree. Because it's 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 the same as like when the Raiders, when a free agent uses the Raiders for leverage. Who knows if you even really had a chance, especially with the Sean Payton one at that point in time. Yeah. So no, he credit. just got a fi- he got a five year extension. I think like last week. And so the same with Harbaugh. I I don't know, man. I go back and forth on this. That the Sean Payton one, and even the Sean, both those guys have won championships. Obviously, I guess Tomlin has too. Hell, he's won two. Uh, is he won one? No, he's won one. One, one of Roethlisberger's was Cowers. You're right. I, I the one thing I just wonder is you go, well, Harbaugh, Harbaugh always has an identity, right? He's not even though he doesn't coach offense and he doesn't coach defense. You go the the Ravens under him have been one of the tougher teams in the league, and they are consistently one of the best defenses in the league. Now, he doesn't coach Lamar Jackson, but I will give him some credit. Like, he clearly was on board because he could have left with going all in on this guy. Maybe he saw something that they realized, like, John's on on it, he wants in on it, like, it's going to work. Sean Payton, that franchise is a laughing stock. He changed it. He was like their Bill Walsh. So it's not, when you take a step back, they're not getting rid of their Bill Walsh if he wants to stay, and clearly he does. The one thing I'd say about Mike Tomlin is the Steelers aren't used to losing. One and this would be back-to-back years missing the playoffs. And I just wonder, like, what is his identity beside being, like, an unreal locker room manager, which clearly he's the elite at. But, like, his defense sucked now. He has nothing to do with the offense. Beside being one of the coolest coaches ever, and if I had to hang out with a guy, like, he might be top of the list, a guy just you just want to kick it with and have some <laughs> beers and, like, talk. Remember when him and Lane were doing that? 
I, I you just wonder. Yeah, I see he's friends with all these guys. That you could talk yourself out of him to me faster than the other guys. And I think people have kind of done it for years. Like, what does he do? What does he do? You know, like Harbaugh's motivational shit does work because they're always really tough. Sean Payton, everyone in the NFL thinks like him and Andy Reid are the cream of the crop mind-wise. Like, what is Mike Payton's defining attribute non- being able to hide Antonio Brown's crimes. Well, but I mean, look, that's... That is something, me, though. Yeah, like, inside that organization, do they view losing Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown as Mike Tomlin's fault? Or I mean, not the Le'Veon one, because that was a contract issue. Or do they view it like people don't understand how much equity Mike Tomlin earned within this organization the last three, four, five years just dealing with all that stuff? That's what we don't know, Right. When I watched the press conference on Wednesday, or maybe it was Tuesday, he said, when we traded for the... Me and Kevin Colbert, the GM, felt comfortable in the deal. And I just... It kind of stood out. Like, I... Like, he's a huge part of what they do. Right? Mike Tom, just the way the organization... It's not like they have... Kevin Colbert is just doing what he wants to do and then Mike's coaching the team. I think there's a there's a special partnership. So, like you said... Kevin Colbert feels kind of like a made guy because he, he's drafted great players for a long period of time there. If he really likes Mike Tomlin, he just go, well, we went through a little bit of a transition, but this guy, I'm not getting a better head coach than this. So why, you know, like remember Coward's thing back in the day, like there's no happy, happier, or there's no happier, happy, or whatever. There's no happy, like, you can't be happier than happy, I think. Yeah, it's like what, like Kevin Colbert take a step back. Like, who am I hiring? Like, is Lincoln Riley taking my phone call? Well, unless I, you know, and maybe I'm the Steelers, so maybe he is. Maybe Kellen Moore, do I think the next star. But if I if I don't think any of those guys are taking my job or I don't want them, I don't want just to end up with. Am I going to fire Mike Tomlin and then hire Ron Rivera? Right? Am I going to do that? Something like that? Right. Hire a guy that's like a. Re, why wouldn't that's I just somebody keep Mike else's Tomlin? Mike Tomlin? Kind of. Because how fast would you say if the Steelers, let's say they're have a 5-11 and 11 season. Mike Tomlin is relieved of his duties. Like, it's clear that last week they're going to move on. It's his last game. He, 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 like, coached it out. Would teams fire their head coach to hire him? Like, wouldn't the Browns be nuts to not fire Freddie Kitchens to hire Mike Tomlin? Wouldn't he get multiple interviews with teams like the Panthers if they fired Rivera? If I don't know. I, I can't even – it's hard to even know who will get fired. But we know every year the, the New York Giants fired Pat Shermer. How would he? I mean, he'd get jobs. He'd, he'd right. get offered jobs. I don't know if he'd want to take it. Because I, my hope has always been to get him out here in a, at the USC. But at the end of the day, there was this YouTube video I stumbled on like last year, and it was him talking about how his son had just—I don't know where his son's playing college football, but I think it's like a Power Five school. And he's like, you know, one thing that really bothers me about my son's generation is. Experience the recruiting process of people that just commit and decommit. It's just like, what what the fuck's wrong with society? And he's like, I told whatever his name is, James, if you commit, I don't care if it's Howard University or Alabama, whoever you commit to, you're in. Like, that's not, we ain't rolling like that. And I hear that would be hard for him to be the coach of USC because you'd be dealing with a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. And I do think, and he even said, like, I take a lot of pride in helping people change their lives, even in the NFL. I do think that would be intriguing to him. But there is something powerful about the NFL. You can cut players. Because I did see, I think Leach said 
well, what, if we're going to start paying the players, why can't we just cut them? And, and I was like, he kind of has a point. Why do I just – just because I offer you a scholarship, then you're a shitbird and not a good player. Why can't I just get rid of you? Because I can't right now if you just maintain an academic standing. I can't just re- re- revoke your scholarship. So I don't think that Mike Tomlin, the way he's kind of wired, would like college football. So I think that he would just stay in the NFL, and clearly teams would. I don't even think he'd have to really get interviewed to get a job. Be honestly, kind of like Andy with Kansas City. They're like, "You want the job?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm in." People forget, like when Andy got fired, he resurrected his career fast. But people were not just like, "Everyone's got to hire this guy," right? Right? Because if you look back, if that same situation happened again in 2013, and people knew what Andy really, people kind of forgotten, how many teams would have fired their head coach to hire Andy Reid? Every single one of them, beside like two. I mean, now I'm not saying is would you put Tomlin on Andy's level or Sean Payton's no. level of like the clear impact the guy makes? No, just because you don't like offensive, you don't really know like you said what exactly his X and O. Advantages. If Guy Haberman owned a team, would you rather have for the next five years Mike Tomlin or John Harbaugh as your head coach? I, you get ten I, seconds to make the decision. Uh, I mean, I, I Tomlin. I don't think it matters honestly. I think they're the same guy. Well, and I think both those two guys are really highly thought of, right? So yeah, I feel like I'd th- win-win. Yeah, so you, you'd you be crazy. I, I think some teams would have to think about firing their head coach to hire Mike Tomlin then. Would it be, would like... Like the Cardinals. Would or, Arizona, yeah. or, or or would Miami, if it goes badly, do a one-and-done? Yeah, like Houston. You don't know how, how just, much they really love that guy, but... Yeah, like Minnesota. What if they miss the playoffs? Well, that's... Just kind of over Zimmer. You know, things like that. The Giants, like... How about... Would he take the... He wouldn't go to Washington, right? No. Well, I think he went to school at, like... But would he go coach... After coaching for the Roonies, would he go coach there? What about the What about the Giants? Like, they just... Yeah. Sure just get Mike Tomlin, and immediately people like you again. You're like, oh, you're cool again, right? Couldn't you see him with the Giants? I'm the head coach of the Giants. That makes sense to me. That, that, that's the only thing I hold out hope for with USC. Like, they are USC. And I do think he'd like L.A. But I, he likes football. You know, he likes shit that matters. Like, he's part of, he's basically, I know the Patriots are the cream of the crop, but they're not like, the Steelers are the Alabama to me of the NFL. It'd be the Steelers or the Packers are the Alabama of the NFL. Like, you wear that everywhere Mike Tomlin goes. Someone's like, hey, coach, I'm a diehard Steeler fan. Like, I fucking love you. Like, you are a... You're royalty in that circle. Right. There is something powerful about that that I... Like, the Redskins do have some of that. They just lost forever. It is a big brand and everything. I, I would say the Giants to him makes more sense. Have you ever talked to him? I've never met him or anything, no. Like, how about just Monday Night Football? But, but see, that's where I, I think football means so much to him. But I'm just saying, if the alternative is... the And you're right, Like I think he would have great jobs. But if it's like, you want to be the Cardinals coach or the Redskins coach... Like, ah, well, I was just the Steelers coach, so tell you what, I'll do something that's a little more bright lights for well, I think I think they would immediately hire him to do Monday Night Football if he was interested. Yes. <laughs> See ya, booger. I'm just saying, <laughs> is that better than being the coach of the Washington Redskins? Would you rather be the coach of the New York Giants or do Monday Night Football? New York Giants, you take, you just take that job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Minnesota Vikings with a really You take team. that job. The Minnesota Vikings? Yes. Because it's a big AFC or NFC North. That's a big deal. It's just clearly they're committed to winning. Yeah. Yeah. You're playing the Bears and the Packers. Like, it's a big fucking deal. Yes. That's, yes. I would say the Giants, 
in theory, but I think, you know, you talk to some people in the league. I remember when Patricia was interviewing, Belichick told them, don't mess with the Giants. Because John Morrow, they don't think really knows what he's doing. And isn't, Chris isn't, Morrow. Yeah. It's just kind of a little, honestly, they're like a little Raiders-y with just a lot more money and a lot more fans. When you just kind of watch what's going on, you're just like, God, what and are a lot more doing? recent success. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, I'm just talking about just the dysfunction that's going on of late. Like that, I think they're a little lost at sea. And you realize, well, who helped them get all that success? Well, they had like the ultimate dictator of Tom, so he was just able to mask a lot of things, right? Because right? he's crazy. Like that, that, honestly, that might not be a great job for Tomlin because he's not really doesn't have that much help. Because I, I would imagine Tom would go, well, who's my GM? Can I bring Kevin Colbert with me? I just wonder, the more I talk it out, like, why is Kevin Colbert firing him? I think he's... Unless he has a specific individual to hire. Yeah. Does he want Josh McDaniels? Does he feel like it's twenty? I just it's 2020, I just need an offensive I, I think you could guy. talk yourself... Yeah, I think you could talk yourself into something like that. And uh, then does Brady come as a free agent? Or would you not do that? <laughs> John, uh, we're here to help, too, which is why we're here to tell you about SeatGeek which is a supporter of the podcast. We get hit up all the time for people asking, what's the, seat, what's the SeatGeek promo code? People, it's HAM, H-A-M, HAM. Millions of tickets all over the web. SeatGeek oh. pulls them all to one app, then rates them on a scale of 1 to 10, then gives you the map interactive with big green dots. It's easier than a traffic light. Big green good, little red bad. Buy your tickets, feel like a hustler. Doesn't get any easier, guy. And here's the thing. It's not just sporting events. So I, I got family and friends that are at Cal right now. Or No, I mean, they followed Cal. They're at Mississippi. You want to go like go on a road trip? Oh. Boom. Download the SeatGeek app, promo code HAM. You want to go to baseball playoffs? You live in New York? You live in L.A.? Boom. SeatGeek. You live in app. Oakland? Oh, oh you live at uh, A's. They're hosting. Yeah, they are, we think. It's not set in stone yet, but it's sure trending that way. How about this guy? You want to go see something called a concert? Little Elton John, little Mick Jagger, little Taylor Swift, whoever's you know your cup of tea, Seeky Gap promo code Ham. It's it's that simple, guy. Whatever you want, you like Jason Aldean, you like uh, Elton John, you like the Yankees. Whatever you just type it in and it finds it. Or individual venues, you're like, well, I live in I live in San Francisco. What's coming up at Chase? Type in Chase Center. It gives you every event. Yep, it's incredible. Like- it honestly is the one of the most elite apps that it, I it, own. It really. You like X Ambassadors? Really, free They're coming. Uh, it is a great app. $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Promo code is HAM. I'm kind of a seat geek in the sense that sometimes I'll just go on there. I'll be like, I wonder what's at the Golden One Center for the next like yeah. three months. And well, I'll just scroll. Yeah, and just see what tickets cost. Yeah, I do that all the time. You are a seat geek. <laughs> all right, uh, speaking of the Coliseum, John, the Raiders, we've talked about this. Uh, kind of a danger zone based on the schedule for them. What are you doing over there? Skull. 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 It is pretty cool when they do that and the whole place is doing it. Phenomenal observation by you on the last podcast. Somebody, I don't have it in front of me, tagged us in a tweet because our buddy Josh Dubow of the Associated Press tweeted this. You said on the last pod, what is going on? Why do the Raiders look so good on their first drive and then so bad the rest of the game? This was Josh Dubow's tweet. The Raiders' points per drive under John Gruden. So it's not just this year. It's under Gruden. Their first drive, they averaged 2.8 points per drive, which is the fifth best uh, number in the NFL. Because it doesn't sound that high, then you just relative to the league. That's damn good. You're, you're, oh, it's almost scoring, right? It's almost three points a first drive. Yeah. Fifth in the NFL. After their first drive, 
It's 1.46 points per drive, 27th best in the NFL. So you can't even put best after 27th. It go from 5th to 27th after their first drive. That's pretty alarming, and that's exactly what you are seeing with your eyes. And Josh Dubow put it in the numbers. Feels like a precipitous drop it there, guys. Okay. Well, that's a good word. <laughs> it's one of those big vocabulary words. I have like seven of them in the back of my head. I tweeted this yesterday. That's not going to fly. And there are two people responsible for this and that are going to get blamed. The head coach and the quarterback. One thing's pretty clear, guy. The head coach ain't going to blame himself. Because a lot of people are like, clearly they're just not adjusting. They're, they don't know what they're doing calling plays once the game gets going. Well, you think John Gruden believes that? Are you fucking out of your mind? I know what he's going to believe if that number stays the same. Our quarterback can't execute play calls. And doing some digging, texting around, the good example is they get that turnover in the game. And I know Derek bitched and moaned about the P.I. call on a fucking play that was irrelevant. It was like less than five minutes left in the game. Derek, whether that's offensive P.I. or a no call, either way you threw a pick. Let it go. It's irrelevant. Your problem should be with when you go Peyton Manning on the one-yard line you throw a pick in the end zone. Terrell Williams doesn't have the sign. Well, if you're going to run that play, you 100% have to know he has the sign. Otherwise, you throw the pick, you're the quarterback, that's on you. Because Gruden would say, well, I called a power run play. So, Derek, you created that pick, right? Worst case scenario, we get stuffed, we have another down. I didn't throw the, I didn't call a fade. You called the fade at the line of scrimmage. And if you're going to change well, the play, you better be right, right? You, not only just better be right, because like, I was right. It was the right mindset because they're going all out blitz well it's not right when your player doesn't know you're doing it so i i just think that i understand Derek's building this house in vegas if this trend continues and they're a nine point underdog in week three and you and i last podcast went through some of that schedule coming up it could just be loss 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 they could even play well in a couple of these games and lose right they could have their best game of the season and lose a game to the bears you know or the vikings that you're going to start going one and five, one and six, you're two and eight, and you have these type stats, I don't see how Derek's back, man. You know, because how many players can withstand multiple straight seasons as a, as a max quarterback when your team wins four or five games? That just doesn't happen. And here's it. Here's the whole curveball in this whole thing. John Gruden was not around when they signed Derek to this massive contract. He can say all he wants, and maybe he likes him, maybe he doesn't, but he did not sign that deal. This is not his problem, and or at least not his problem to like force to make look right. He's proven that he will move on from the best player in the league, that he won't cut this guy. Wait, now, who, who's, sorry, who's the best player in the league? Khalil Mack, one of them. Yeah, I just had to so No, 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 keep one. going. I Don't let me stop Best, best, Best non-quarterback. You could make the argument. Okay. Could you not? Yeah. Yeah, we got to do. When I say best player in the league, it's always non-quarterback. Okay, okay. He's right up there. Mahomes is the best player in the league. But when you see a stat like that, and if I just say, "Hey, guy," not only is it going to continue by the end of the season, their first drive stays near top five or six in the league, but that second, the rest of the drives, bottom, lower than bottom third, like twenty-eight to thirty-two. What what, what do you think about Derek's long-term viability with John? Not on the team next year. Is John firing himself? No. I don't can think you so, have, John. Can you, have a tw- can you have a $25 million quarterback that doesn't produce? No. 
You're asking good questions. Um, this would be the end of year three for Gruden as well, right? So Gruden's like, I got a ten-year. No, this, con- this, this would year, be end of year, year two. two. Excuse me. He'd be going into year three. He's going. I got a ten-year contract. I got eight years left, so I'm comfortable. But I'm going into Vegas. Time for me to find my new quarterback. We're bad. Perfect. I'm drafting high. I better draft a quarterback. I don't want to draft another defensive lineman. I don't want to draft another safety. I don't want to draft. I, w- I want to take a quarterback. This is what I love is finding a young quarterback. Except this guy's going to be more talented than Nathan Peterman. So. In his mind, if they win five games this year, they're not going to be drafting that high again the next year. That's not what he thinks. He thinks we're going to be good. I'm going to we're going to get good in this first year in Vegas. You know, I was in, in, about- in, de- in defense of Derek, last year they trade them already midseason. Their wide receiver room is an abomination embarrassment. Their only credible offensive player was really Jared Cook, who then they don't resign. They're like, okay, they get Antonio Brown. He doesn't make it to week one. Who's their second best wide receiver guy? Hunter fucking Renfro? I like Darren Waller. I mean, he was cool in the first game. But like I've said from the beginning, it's it's a lot to depend on Darren Waller to be your Travis Kelsey. And Josh Jacobs tweeting yesterday, I'm sick AF. I've lost 10 pounds. He's already banged up with like a quad or a hip or something. You're just right away. It's not like Derek. I would be more critical of Derek in the sense that, and I'm not, I, I am critical that like that pick can't happen. I, you, there is zero. It's not on sixteen at all. That's on the car. But Derek has not been playing with a weapon. You know, a, a chest full of weapons. No, look. I, I the way I was just talking was just kind of this. This is how it's easy for Gruden to think. And I'll add one more piece to it. I, you remember that thing in the Athletic last month that was what it's like to be in Mike Leach's. What it's like to be a quarterback with Mike Leach. And it was just like stories by all these quarterbacks and did Bruce Feldman write it? I haven't read it no no it was written by uh one of the guys up in the Pacific Northwest was it like Graham Harrell and Cliff Kingsbury and no Gardner it's like Minchie Jeff Tool. no it was like Jeff Tool and like all these guys that have played at Washington State like Luke Falk the last five six seven years gotcha, gotcha. Connor Halliday and one of the things is that one, I don't remember which one it might Jeff have been Tool, Tool uh, for, Fresno okay. West uh he tells the story of like after maybe his first game, Mike Leach says to him, like, how many plays did you change at the line of scrimmage? And he's like, ah, I don't know, 30%? He's like, no, dude, it should be like 70%. Like, you're the guy. Mike Leach's thing is, I, my play call is a suggestion. You're the guy on the field. Like, once this game starts, you're seeing everything way better than I'm seeing it. Like, you have the power to do something. So my thought would be John Gruden is probably thinking the same thing. Like, yeah, I can script the play before anyone stepped on the field. But after the first drive, I need some help. Now, I don't know if he thinks that, but I could see how a coach would But it is like, a team it is a team effort, right? It's you and that guy. Isn't that everything you read and hear about like the highest level of the, the McDaniels and the Brady's and the Rodgers forever with McCarthy, Andy and Alex, now Andy and Mahomes, Peyton and Breeze. It's like it ain't just one of us. You gotta deal with two of us motherfuckers. And Breeze is working twenty four seven and his coach is working twenty four seven and they come into the game. There's a reason these guys are so arrogant, right? They're like, well, I, I've spent 80 hours getting ready for this thing, and I and I got my partner here, the coach, who has spent 100 hours getting ready. Good luck beating us. But it feels kind of like Gruden's like, well, where's my help? Yeah, I don't <laughs> right. know what he th- I just I can just see how when you take that stat and say, what does John think about it and what does Derek think about it, I wonder where they would disagree. But as you said, there's only so many places to disagree. But like, hey, Derek, you keep throwing these picks in the second half of these games. Okay, what else can we say? I, I, I've we're defenders of you historically, but I, I'm getting less and less ammo to defend you when you do things like that. 
And then after the game, you're bitching about the, the pick play. Derek, that was like, I don't know how much time. The game was over. It's irrelevant. Why aren't you bitching about the play that when it was 28-10 with five minutes left in the third quarter, and like you and I, I think, disagreed a little bit, but hmm. I'm not saying they were in the game if they score a touchdown there, but if the game goes to 28-17 with five minutes left in the third quarter, you do have a ball game. Yeah, right? look, I disagreed with you. It didn't feel that way to me, but you're right. The simple math is you score a touchdown there. It's still only the third quarter. Kansas City has stopped scoring. What can you not do there? That. Throw a pick in the end zone. Wouldn't you say of every offensive coach that you've ever been around or any press conference you've ever watched or any coach that you've ever heard or player talk about coach, a thing that they'd like, Gruden would rather dive off the Bay Bridge than throw an interception on the one-yard line in the end zone. I mean, could you pull every coach in the country and that would be the number one thing that they would fucking drive him nuts? Even if we have to just kick a field goal there, you cannot turn the ball over in that situation. Like, that's where I'm... I think Kyle overrates turnovers a little bit, like in the middle of the field. I do not disagree in that situation. It is inexcusable. You, wait, wait, it you think Kyle happen. over? What do you mean, Kyle overrates? Well, like, makes too big of a deal. Like, he's big on, like, can't turn the ball over. Like, I can uh, live with some turnovers in the middle of the field, like, slinging it. Yeah, if you, if you also have the upside of making yeah. plays, yeah. I'm not saying turnovers and picks aren't bad, but if you're throwing four touchdowns and Mahomes throws a pick, like, whatever. Red zone picks, though, are the number one pet peeve of any offensive guy. Especially when you just throw to it. It's one thing of a tips and overthrows or, you know, the, or fumble. Shit happens. But that pick, now you sound it doesn't like a get any. Coach. It hits the guy in the hands, guy. I mean, Breland was like, is this ball really coming right to me? <laughs> it was crazy. It, yeah. was, it was nuts. It, it, it cannot happen. It was, that ball looked like a weak side rebound off a long three. Like just the, well, the right when out. it went in the air, you're like, I, this, he just threw a pick. Yeah. And the one thing you'd say about Derek over the last several years is he's had pro, he's up there. I mean, Jameis might be one. He would be near the top of the lead, though, of just like, what the fuck picks. J- Jimmy throws his hat in the ring. Like, hey, I can do it too. But Derek's had... In these games where they're kind of the underdog, but they're kind of playing with them, and they're kind of right there, and they just change the game. They just absolutely change the game. It happened a couple times last year early in the season, and then the season got away from them, and it just happened against Kansas City. And again, they don't win that game, but I think we think about this game a lot differently in the Raiders. If they score a touchdown there, they hold them. Maybe they get another – they lose 28-20. to 20. And you go, instead well, they, their defense, just how are you supposed to hold up against that team? Instead, they lost 28-10, to 10 and it was like, that's a joke. <laughs> that, I, I look at that game, 28-10, to 10, and felt like it's the equivalent of a 48-7 to 7 loss, doesn't it? Don't you? Yeah, because you know what? As much as we say it's Carr, Mahomes, they score, they're great, the fact is you didn't score against that defense. Like, people score against that defense. You didn't like you didn't. Now they stopped scoring, so maybe that's why it looked close. Maybe if you had kept scoring, they'd have kept scoring. They you would have weren't scored even moving the ball. Forty-five guy. points, but you didn't score against that defense. Like, forget about the point differential. You just didn't score against that defense. And people, I'm score. pretty, I'm pretty sure the way the reason they were at the goal line because Mahomes had fumbled. Remember, like he had, he had, they, they had ruled right. the ball was going forward, and it was close. But you can't overturn it. That's they didn't drive down the field to get there. They got kind of a gift turnover. But, you know, I got you, – you get turnovers, you got to take advantage of it. You cannot get a turnover in the red zone and then give them back a turnover. That, that's, wouldn't you say that's a double whammy? I, I would imagine that sequence is probably deep down when Gruden's in his office is as frustrated and as angry as any 
that he's had so far in Oakland. Like, that's that's unacceptable. Because you go, God, I mean, we're playing the best team in our division and probably the second best team in the league. And we're we're kind of right in it. We get this, you know, we're not getting totally blown out score-wise, even though they had this historic quarter, which it is a historic. It is pretty nuts that even a week later, he threw four fucking touchdowns in a quarter. That's insane, guy. Like, you throw four touchdowns in a game like you're a dominant fantasy player. Yeah, it's... You do it in a quarter. It's a 16-touchdown pace, John. What would you say the average NFL possessions are per quarter per game? Probably, like, a little over three. Three? three yeah, maybe not it's, quite it's, three and a half. But it's definitely not four. But you're probably getting... Are you getting 12 a game? It's a hit or miss, 10 to 12, depending on who you're playing and how the game plays out, right? This is... What would you say the average... How many possessions typically in college... Well, like that's three or I know, four more. Well, I know, like the Michigan State game. I remember talking to the ASU coaches the week before, and they were just like, you know, we know, like you, or maybe it was you're Sacramento not going to get as, State you're not going to get as many possessions. When they played in the ASU. Game. They were just like, you know, we know we might only get like ten possessions today. You know, now that's because you're how typically it getting out, more but, because the clock stops. But my point, Her, Herm being an NFL type guy, slow down the game. So. That's a good point, though, on Herm. Like, he is kind of equipped for a 7-3 game. Well, that's what he like wants. David to. Shaw. Well, I, someone explained it to me early, and it makes it's so obvious when you see it. It's like, in college, most teams just try to score as much as they can. And then when they can, it throws them off. In, that was Herm's thing, right? In the NFL, it's... Well, but just like the basic philosophy is we got to go score as many points as we can in college. Like, the most basic philosophy. And in the NFL, the philosophy is let's keep this game close till the fourth quarter. Let's, get, let's make sure this game's close in the fourth quarter. And then we'll see what happens, you know? Yeah. Then and then if we execute right, we've practiced well, yeah. we'll be in position to win the game. And that's Herm's thing. It's like, we just let's play a game that's close in the fourth quarter. So most people are like Mike Leach. Yeah. And it, for good reason. It works. Yeah, it works. Defense just can't forever. hold up over four quarters. Yeah. Um, you know what holds up, John? This new What's bag that? I got from Box of Awesome. You already How got sweet one. Is it? I'm using it this weekend because going to a wedding. And it's perfect. Just canvas, sturdy, kind of cool oh. looking. It's got some buckles on it. I got, I got the navy blue. I think you got the uh, camp, the army green. Wouldn't it be an easy, like, if you were doing a game, just doing, like, an overnight trip, just throw a couple things in there with your backpack, and boom, you're off? Just look like a ball or two? Yeah. You know that I can just trust off it. and running. Ear, AirPods in, sunglasses on, hoodie, leave me alone. Stiff arm, Heisman. Um, box of awesome, John. Uh, we got from Bespoke Post. Dot com box of awesome dot com promo code ham at checkout twenty percent off your first box. It's hard to beat. I, I got uh, a, uh, a a meat cleaver. Oh I think God. I got a couple of sweet things. I already have, like you said, the, that same bag which I've already used multiple times. Again, just go to boxofawesome.com and just browse around because it's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel at any time. Each box each box guy costs only forty five dollars, but has over seventy dollars worth of gear. Like. No way that that bag's not a. I feels like that bag is like two hundred dollar bag. I can't confirm nor deny, but that bag is it's a legit bag. Uh, now again, guy, you go twenty percent off your first monthly box when you sign up for boxofawesome.com and enter promo code ham. They got some cool stuff. I, I'm gonna go cook once we get off this podcast, and I'm gonna go use my meat cleavers. You gonna take down a pig? Um, yeah. Boxofawesome.com promo code ham twenty percent off your first box. What's so easy, you get an email at the beginning of the month that tells you what's going to be in your next box, and you got five days to change it. So if you want a different color, different size, uh, add extra goods to the box. If you're not feeling that box, no problem. You just skip it. So you're not getting anything you don't want, but you're getting things that kind of open up your world, open up your style, open up your uh, your modernness. 
Give you a little guidance. Boxofawesome.com, promo code HAM. Love right. it. Uh, don't you love, as someone who used to scout and drive up and down the state in a Honda Accord with like nine golf shirts hanging in the backseat, don't you love a day trip where it's just like, I'm just throwing one shirt in my bag. Isn't that a good feeling when you do that? It's a a great feeling. It really is. All right, NFL headlines. Uh, You want to just rattle through games? You know the funny thing is? Hmm. I I don't know if you could do this like in the city because someone might take your clothes, but whenever I go to the cleaners, I don't need to go to the cleaners that much anymore, but I'll just leave my shit in my car. So for like weeks on end, I'll just have the bags and stuff because it just makes you look a little more like this guy's busy. This guy's on the move. He's just got like sports coats and some button ups and they just stay back there yeah. for weeks. Sometimes I, I, I have had the thing in the back of my car right now for minimum three weeks. And I bet people just see this guy like that's, that's a guy on the move. It's a guy doing things. No, just too lazy to literally just grab all the hangers and walk them up <laughs> to my place. Walking down to the car shirtless because you need a collared shirt for your date. I've done that. I, a couple times I had to go grab something out of my house. And I had like underwear on, but it was like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, I just walked <laughs> who, who am I going to see? Like Stiglitz? Maybe. Yeah, I might. I did see him the other day. Dickinson? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I, I figure let's just rattle through some games, see what we like. We talked about some of the college games earlier, um, but if you want to throw those in too. But, I mean, Friday night, obviously, USC-Utah, that's big. But I'm just going to – I got the NFL schedule here. I'll rather so you, you you were right. You texted me earlier. Utah's never won at USC ever in the history of the program. Nineteen? No, they won there in 1916. Okay, so in uh, since prohibition, they've never won at USC. Yeah, it's like alcohol was legal before yeah. it was illegal. Is the way I yeah. look at it. The World War One was a thing. Now, granted, I would say the one flawed part about that stat about them being in the same conference they haven't been in the same conference no yeah it's it's a dumb stat it doesn't like how how many times they've played in the history of the program like 25 30 yeah 25 no it's probably like i i think it's like uh maybe not not even be 20 it's like yeah because i think it's like usc 11 and 7 or something like that i I, i'd guess fresno state and usc have played more times Kind of feels like, but that might just be a bias. Probably like even back like the rate the raisin eaters probably played usc back in the day you know yeah, who's the Raisin Eaters? That's probably what I think. Maybe that's what I think. There's a Fresno team called the Ra- Raisin Eaters oh. or something. The Raisin. Well, Summers. remember, I, I would imagine like Lo- you know, like Long Beach and Irvine. Pat Hill, right. I think, went to Irvine. They used to have football teams. St. Sure. Mary's, like Rick Tittle, like played at St. Mary's. These programs go. used to play like USC. You know, there you go. But uh, yeah, I, it is a little fishy though, guy. I will say that the line started. It's now three and a half. Yeah, I, something's just off. I, I I I am apprehensive about putting some cash on Utah, though I do hope Utah wins because I do think they're the best, you know, the best option to make the playoffs because watching Leach last week, their defense to me is this fair, it's not as good as maybe it was a couple years ago. It's still solid for giving well, out good like Yeah, I mean they lost probably the their second best defensive player in the offseason out of nowhere. Jalen Thompson, their safety, got the he he had to go to the supplemental draft. Remember, he got ruled oh, yeah, eligible. Yeah, yeah. So their that, secondary has been in like last year. Even their secondary was really good. Was deep. Was good. So you could argue they lost the best player on their team. Yeah, I think their linebacker Jihad Woods might be their best player, but one of their two best players. Wow, so that's a probably was role. their best player. Actually, what happened to him again? It was ruled ineligible. I think he had a took it like a tainted substance from a GNC oh, oh. So or something. So it wasn't academic or anything. It was just like he failed and they were not going to. 
he was, was going to have to sit the, the year out. They had appealed. He was going to have to redshirt the year. So he's like, well, I'm not going to wait two years to go to the NFL. I'm just going to go to the NFL now. That's a pretty – that sucks for that kid. Yeah. I, but he's he, on the, he got drafted in like the fourth round of the supplement. I know, but he didn't want to leave, right? He wanted to ball no, for Washington thought, State like, and then Should go. I go to the draft? No, I'm going to stay in school for my last year. Gotcha. So, so yeah. I just – when I just look at the two teams, who has the best shot to make the playoffs, I just think Utah is a little more built for the entire season to run the table than Leach. Yeah, also Leach hasn't – they don't beat Washington, and they got to go to Washington this year. Washington is a pretty big favorite this weekend at BYU. I know. And I don't know what to make of BYU. Like, is that an easy game or is um, that? It's not easy. I think, I don't think BYU is quite as good as they looked against SC, but I do think they're just really, like, you're always going to, they're going to be I thought solid. they played pretty well against they Utah. Uh, it's a tough place to play, yeah, right? They're okay. Yeah, I mean, Utah had two pick sixes, I think, in that game, right? So it kind of skews it uh, to Utah's favor. Question is just like Jacob Eason, big play guy. Is he going to be able to be patient, or is he going to force the ball like USC's quarterback Keaton Slovis did and make some mistakes? I always want to call that guy something else, Slovis. Mm-hmm. I'll give you another pretty interesting game. We touched on it a little bit at the beginning. But I think this guy, some of the sweetness and the coolness is definitely rubbed off. Is Harbaugh, I don't want to say his stock's at an all-time low, but since he became Harbaugh, I think you could argue his stock right now, people are like, ah, oh, is Jim Harbaugh really that good anymore? Is it fair to say, since Jim Harbaugh became Jim Harbaugh, like that last year at Stanford, all the years of San Francisco, those first several years at Michigan, his stock's at an all-time low given how high his stock was. Yeah. And to me, if the Jim Harbaugh that I know and the Jim Harbaugh that I enjoyed watching in a situation like that goes on the road to Wisconsin as an underdog and fucking beats their ass, and beats their ass Harbaugh style, probably wins by like 10, but just it's one of those that after the game you're like, God, Michigan ain't bad, right? That, that's a Jim Harbaugh that I know. He actually might like being the underdog, you know? Like, no one's – people think we suck. Now, the one question is, I remember telling you, talking to people in the know, that they said that Josh Gaddis, who Feldman, who pro uh, – not pro football talk, but uh, football scoop, like all the people that are diehard college football people that do like the preseason, like the number one, like ranking the top 20 assistants that move jobs, he was the guy on every list, number one. The hype meter on this guy was out of control. Harbaugh hired him without even interviewing him. Loxley was adamant that this guy was taking credit for shit that Loxley was doing because Loxley was actually the OC at Bama. Well, I don't know if you've checked, but Maryland, like, Loxley is a pretty genius offensive mind. He's pretty good. Yeah. They've had a couple games where they scored, like, 70 points. He knows what he's doing. And people at Bama will tell you, listen, say what you want about Loxley. He knows what he's doing. So he was like this guy was kind of taking some credit for shit he wasn't doing, mm. but he's a self promoter. He clearly has an agent uh, that hyped him up. Harbaugh hired him, and you'd say, well, was it two weeks ago they played Army and they barely won? Now I think you've done. You said that Air Force wasn't quite as extreme as Army, right? Like they they ran they're the option, di- but well, they're different in that they run more stuff like inside outside zone. They do a bunch of stuff. They're they're kind of unique when it comes to the even. Do they have the two the wings academies. behind the tackles. Yeah, and they, the guy behind they do. Them? They definitely do that, but they do a bunch of different stuff. So you, I, I think it is fair to say that sometimes Army, you know, Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator for the his brother is the coach at Army. Yeah, right. Yeah, and last year they gave uh, Oklahoma everything they could handle. This year, On maybe. Maybe Army's just not bad. I think right? they're hard. They're just tough. To, yeah. they're just all the service academies, man. They're tough. 
But I mean, could you say that maybe Army's just the best version right now of all the service academies? Yeah, maybe they're, they're just maybe they're good. They're good. Yeah. <laughs> I saw. Did you see any of Don Brown after that game? Uh, no. He, he was just really. I don't. It was just interesting. I mean, it wasn't anything crazy. Was he mad? No, he was just explaining to people like why it's so hard. He was breaking it down just because you practice against something you've never like you don't see ever. Well, you know what Air Force did? I mean, uh, Colorado did. So Colorado did like a period at the end of every fall practice and then the practices even into the first two weeks of the season, get ready for Air Force. Oh, they just kept doing it even when they were playing other opponents. Yeah. So it was week three. So they did it even for two weeks leading up to it. But they had their scout team cut block their defensive lineman in practice. Which is kind of dangerous, but they were like, if we don't do it in practice, our guys are going to freak out gonna in the prepare? game. Yeah. But I guess, like, I didn't really, I've never really thought about it, but I, I don't know if everybody does that leading up. I give, I give Mel Tucker some credit. That's pretty smart. I don't know how else you could better handle it, right? Yeah. They ended up losing, but. I guess when they got to Georgia, Georgia Tech had beaten Georgia back to back years because he got there with Kirby. He went with Kirby from Alabama. Oh, and they did that. Uh, although Georgia. he said it's, he's like it's different. It's not the same because Georgia Tech runs it different than Air Force, and we have different personnel than Georgia has, so it's not doesn't really apply. But how about this guy? The Oklahoma State Texas over under seventy two and a half. So they think a shitload of points are going to be scored. I actually think Oklahoma State's pretty good. They've got that one but, receiver. Who's yeah, they have a sweet they have a sweet running back, but I think Texas is pretty good too. But then the Washington State UCLA game, the over under fifty eight. Like, to me, it feels like that game is a lock to be – I mean, Wazoo's scoring 40. Well, they're going to have to UCLA, do it all themselves. Could UCLA score 20? Or do you think UCLA's just got awful? Yeah, they could score 20. I just – Dorian Thompson, their quarterback right now, they're just not doing anything. They're not scoring on offense. Well, how many points have they scored this year? Not many. Well, granted, they just played Oklahoma. And they played San Diego State. What, they have 14 points in that game? Yeah, it's not ideal, though. Um, like like you said, they they beat Weber State the week before six nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. San Diego State. Yeah. You like? Uh, we'll start with the Raiders are massive underdog nine points. Someone DM me said I'm a big Vikings fan. The thing I'm worried about most people forget last year this week was when the Buffalo Bills, who I think were like a 15 point underdog, went in there and beat them. And that was like, whoa, are the Vikings not as good as we thought? Like, that was one of the bigger early upsets in the NFL last year when the Bills went into Minnesota and beat them straight up. And he's like, I'm just worried sometimes the Vikings overlook teams. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like the Vikings are going to kick the Raiders' ass. Trent Brown might not play. I and just, I, I just – I think their defensive ends are dominant. Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin. It could be a long day for the Raiders. I, when, I smell a backdoor cover, John. But look at those numbers, guy. They don't score in the second half. I know. So how I do know. you backdoor cover when you can't score? Well, I mean, you have to. Just you know, the twenty seventh. They're not last. Just do the math. Uh, our other morning games: Cincinnati at Buffalo. Any thoughts? No. Miami at Dallas. Any thoughts? Guy, do you know that Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets? I'll bring up my bookie right now, but when I looked yesterday, we're a combined, a combined 55-point underdog wow. this weekend. Combined. I, is Jets that insane? Are at, Jets are at New England, for the record. Just If you had to put $1,000 on one of the two teams, who would you feel more confident to cover? 
Jets. Well, well Luke the problem is they're. I thought Luke looked good, John. The problem is they're playing the Patriots. Um, and the Patriots defense is pretty good. Both of them are on the road. Jeez. Short week for the Jets. Actually, the Dolphins. Someone must have hammered 23 because it's now 22 and a half. I guess I would take the Dolphins, but. Actually, my math is terrible. I said 55. It's actually 45. Okay. I added 10 points just because it sounded a little sweeter. I don't feel good about either one. Do you? In terms of if you had to pick one? I just would say I'd, I refuse to bet. Uh, Denver at Green Bay. Great defense is on display. You start looking like, when is Fangio going to win a game, guy? He, I mean, he's not going to be the Packers. Next week, he's got Minshew coming off 10 days. I mean, are we looking at like a two-win team this year? Because they're not terrible, but they kind of are terrible. Like, they're one of those teams that they should win five or six games, but just you get off the wrong start, your schedule's kind of hard, all of a sudden you're one and nine. Well, just but week to week, you're like, well, how do they beat the Packers? Exactly, but you go, we're one and nine, and the Dolphins are 0 and 10, but we're way better than the Dolphins, and everyone admits it, right? That Bears game hurt, too. The Bears game stinks. The Bears game stings deep. Because they go for the win, they get it, and then... You, you know what I read yesterday? You know Garrett Bowles, the kid from Utah that was yeah. the old tackle, uh-huh. who Elway drafted in the first round, I think had four or five holding penalties in that game. Oh. Well, yesterday, Elway was on like some local radio, and it's just like, that can't happen. Like, he's either, if he doesn't know what he's doing, we either need to coach it up or he's got to get out. Like, called him out. Like, whoa, you don't see that that often. Wow. Because Elway's like, he lost us the game. I don't know if he said it in those specific words, but he basically said it without saying it. Blame Garrett Bulls for their loss. I mean, they could get Tennessee <laughs> at home, maybe. Yeah, they, they'll win a couple home games. You think Cleveland at home. The Ra- Raiders at, at home. At maybe Indy. The Chargers. Yeah, they'll, they'll win a game. Detroit. Um... Atlanta and Indianapolis. This is actually my favorite game of the weekend. Just because. Well, no, no, my second favorite game of the weekend. But I just think, I, I think the Colts, the way I describe them, does any team in the league have more heart? I mean, they're getting their ass kicked week one, 24-6, come storming back against the Chargers. Last week, they're on the road in Tennessee, just find a way to win. Do you know what Chris Ballard is? Here's how I describe him. He's the Tony Gwynn of GMs. You're not going to hit any home runs, really, at all. But he's going to just hit the fucking five hole hit singles and doubles till the cows come home he's gonna bat 390 his entire team five is and full a half of pros. five and a half hole yeah full full of pros their entire team five full of pros. Five. so he's a five and a half hole hitter tony he's gwynn tony had 5.5 stitched into his cleats so that's that's who chris ballard is the GM. i like that like not everybody can hit for that high percentage it's a losing battle if you don't have any stars but every once in a while somebody's just gonna hit 380 yeah and it's like how how do the colt remember when Peyton Manning went out, and he was like, the Colts, they're not even a functional football team. Luck goes out, and it's like, whatever, we'll win nine, ten games. Why? Oh, we just got stars at every position all <laughs> over the field. They have one star, and he inherited them in TY. Think about that. Like, all of his players, just like, guys, just solid guys that he acquired. And he hit on a couple flyers, like Eric Ebron. I give him credit for trading for Jacoby Brissett. That wasn't like, any team could have done that. You know, he he was a forward-thinking guy. I, I'm a I'm a Chris Ballard guy. I hope they kick the shit out of Atlanta. They're well, only here, so I, I like the Colts. Here's my Tony Gwynn stat for you. Everybody can use this this weekend. So 
Tony had, I think, eight full seasons. I'm pulling up right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So eight full seasons-ish. I mean, one of them he had, like played 116 games. One of them he played 110. Another one he played 111. So those aren't full, full seasons, but still. He had eight seasons with over 100 games played. Some of them were full seasons. That he had under 20 strikeouts for the season. So like Brandon Belt. Like, <laughs> I mean, That's he, incredible. 92, 1995, he led the league in average, hit 368, had 15 strikeouts. Tony Gwynn had more stolen bases that year than he had strikeouts. We sure, could Tony Gwynn start in this modern day Major League Baseball? They wouldn't even want that. Uh, I, I think he'd make, well, he was, his on base was off the charts. 454, oh. he had a 454 okay. on base. So far, I like him. Granted, some double plays. Yeah, um, couldn't run. A little chubby. All right. But but to, all, to your point, like the Colts, they win that game, they're 2-1. and one. They lose that game, they're 1-2, and two, just like the rest of the AFC South. Um, and Atlanta, for their – like Atlanta kind of they're, – they're, it's 1-1. One one. It's early. Well, to me, there are, there are a couple interesting AFC South games. Like Colts lose that game, they're 1-2. and two. The Texans are playing at the Chargers, an underdog – that that's a really hard game to pick. Like I, I don't feel that confident in the Texans, but I, I but I don't like I do acknowledge that on any game they they can win. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't view them as like Kansas City or New England or Dallas where I expect them to win. But I, I think when the dust settles, they'll be a nine ten win team. You think? But I'm kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt. But I don't feel great about them. And I don't feel great about the Chargers either. They've had so many injuries. Hunter Henry's hurt again. Derwin James, nowhere to be found because he's hurt. Their left tackle's gone. Eckler's good, but Keenan Allen's banged up. I, th- this is kind of – this is going to be a war of attrition. Whoever wins this game is going to be feeling pretty good about themselves because you basically just assure yourself being 500 after the first month. You're like, God, we've got a bunch of injuries. We just, we're two and two. We're in good shape. Uh, Lamar Jackson, we've talked about this one. Lamar Jackson just this week. Lamar Jackson taking on Mahomes. Do you think that's the most intriguing game through three games? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because if he, yeah. I mean, yes. Are we are we are, this time next week? Are we just like, yeah, we got another star quarterback in the NFL? Because if he plays well this week, that's what it's going to be. We got another young star quarterback in the NFL. So, I mean, you could make the case you should be saying that already. Um, and then I, like Daniel Jones at Tampa first start. Giants Bucks. I I think some people are going to realize, and maybe with maybe a little less with Mason because Mason got to play last week. Daniel Jones, wouldn't you say, of all the rookies at every position, was kind of the toast of the preseason because how good he looked. Mm-hmm. In part of it's New York. There's a chance he looks terrible, guy. Because one thing Todd Bowles is going to do is blitz the living shit out of him because he just blitzes anybody. But wouldn't you say the number one hardest thing for most young quarterbacks that throws them off is when they get pressured? They're like, I don't know where to go with the ball because you're just young. You don't know what's going on. I could see a stat line. You want to hear my bold prediction this weekend? Mm-hmm. It's an abomination for Daniel Jones. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be a bad player or anything. I just think there's a tough matchup. You got like nine, what do you think, like, like, like nine of 21, like that bad? Yeah, and like three picks and a fumble six. It, it could just get away from you. You've got well, people the, coming from you at all angles. Your team's not that good. That, that's the other thing. His team's not that good. Yeah. I, I think the I think the Bucks are kind of a 
playoff sleeper. You know what cracks me up is we get like, so Eli's the starter, and you get nothing but videos of Eli looking like a schmuck. And then Eli gets replaced, and I see nothing on Twitter but videos of, what's Eli supposed to do with this ball? Hit him in the hands. You know, it's like, well, wait a second. Is he terrible or is he a pro bowler? Which one is it? What do you this think team's terrible. I think he's closer to not good anymore, but what are the odds that Eli is just like, to me, is he, he's, he's got to be better than the wet rag that sometimes – I think his team's not good. His team's terrible. <laughs> and that hurts. Um, his team's terrible. New Orleans at Seattle. This game was sweet on paper a, a week ago. Yeah, it kind of sucks. You know, what's-his-name refuses Sean Payton to name a starting quarterback. I'd imagine it's Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, they traded a third-round pick for him. They paid him $7.5 million. He's trying to make them think that they're still going to be maybe starting Taysom Hill. Is Taysom Hill now kind of overrated? Like, I, have, I've ne- I don't even know if I've seen Taysom Hill throw a pass. Well, I've he, seen him. he's good if he plays with Drew Brees. Right? Yeah. I, honestly, I wouldn't mind him starting just so I can know what Taysom Hill looks but like. But you understand what I'm court. saying? Like, if yeah. he plays with Drew Brees, then cool. A changeup is worthwhile if you throw a fastball. But if you don't throw a fastball, the changeup's no good. But I, what if Sean Payton says, well, what, what if you see his fastball? Right, you we'll know? see his fastball then. Uh, I'm I'm not very fired up on that game, the, just because it's like kind of a letdown, and I do think Seattle kind of gets a a BP fastball to start out three and zero. And I actually think the two teams, listen to me, Niner Homer, that the Rams kind of get a gift too. I mean, this Browns team has a million injuries. You got Najoku has a concussion and a broken wrist. You have uh, they're missing someone else. Who did I see? Demarius Randall's out. They're missing a ton of guys. I I think the Rams are going to kick their ass. So you're this is where Kyle needs to win because you got to hold serve with these guys. Mm-hmm. They're if you had to rank the most likely to lose this weekend, would you put the Niners of those three teams as the number one team more likely to lose than the other two? But yeah. you have a hard time yes. seeing Seattle lose at home to Teddy Bridgewater, right? Yeah, they don't, they beat New Orleans at home anyway, don't they? Yeah, and who would do you feel? What about the Rams at the Browns Sunday Night Football? I mean, what I just you think say the Rams are, are good. The, the Rams have just earned that. And they are good. It's not like they're living off reputation. They're just a really good football team. Yeah, I agree. So Sean McVay is going to go play 17 penalty Browns and Freddie Kitchens and get beat on Sunday Night Football? No, I don't see it. I don't see it, guy. On a short week for Cleveland? No, I, I, I just not happening. So we're talking about those two teams are 3-0. and Now, can the Niners beat the Steelers? And then we're talking about the best division in football. 9-0, and those three teams. Wow, yeah. Who do the Who Cardinals have, have this week? Are the Arizona play? Cardinals? Who do they play? Oh, they play uh, They play Kyle Allen. Oh, oh that's Kyle right. Kyle Allen plays Kyle Two guys Kyle hate each other. The, yeah, they despise each other. Did you see that video that was tweeted out, those two guys talking? I saw the Kyle Allen one. I didn't see the Kyler Murray one. Well, they asked Kyle. He's like, yeah, we were teammates. I mean, you can tell. It's not even, obviously, in like recruiting circles and people in the South, they know the hate. I think most people in the West are like, oh, they play together where? You know, we, we're not quite as locked in at like Texas A&M. But at the time, those two guys were the number one recruits back-to-back years, and they hated each other. And then they both transferred, which ultimately many people say kind of led to Kevin Sumlin losing his job, right? He had these two elite players, and they both left at the same time, and he was kind of left empty-handed. Now, Kyler Murray ended up becoming a star, and Kyle Allen – does Kyle Allen even get drafted? I didn't, I, I didn't know, John, that he was their backup quarterback. Well, he's not. Will Greer is, and I think Will Greer kind of like got injured. Or Oh, okay. I'm not exactly sure what. Maybe he beat him out. Like, Kyle Allen is – did you know that Kyle Allen transferred to Houston? I didn't know that. 
undrafted free agent. For some reason, is I he a he rookie? Arkansas. No. He's not a rookie. No, though, is it's he? a second year. Did you know that he had gone to Houston? Yeah, I. Yeah, because what's his name? What was the name of the other guy that became their quarterback? Who? A and M. Before the guy they have now. Oh no, that's the guy. I'm thinking of the guy that went to TCU, Kenny or something. Yeah, I'm lost now. These guys transferred. As Kyle Allen, just a lot of hype. He didn't even really play at Houston. Like his when he did finally get to play after he redshirted. Maybe he got hurt, but it just he threw four touchdowns his one year at Houston. He should have just stayed at A and M, moron. I just don't think Kyle Allen's that smart. Hmm. Okay, I gotta go well, find Kyler. Here we go, Kyle Allen. I'm All gonna right. go eat lunch. Yeah, later. Peace. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or Seven Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.